Welcome. This is Ram Forward, a weekly podcast about the Los Angeles Rams. Hosted by two guys in California and Florida. It's LA Rams, coast to coast. Hello again, I'm Forrest Kelly. And I'm Mark LZ Rams in Northeast Florida. And this is Ram Forward, horns up coast to coast. Oh man, I am so much more excited to, to do this podcast than uh, the last couple that we did coming off a losing effort, even though there are some uh, problems that we will discuss. Okay, we're going to start the podcast with a trivia question. Today's Rams trivia question is about the 1975 Rams. The Rams won the NFC West every year from 1973 to 1979. I think the 1975 was the best team during that stretch as they went 12-2 and in the regular season. We beat the Cardinals in the divisional round, but we lost to those pesky Cowboys in the Coliseum in the championship game. Okay, question. Who was the Rams' leading rusher, and who was the Rams' leading receiver that season? Answer at the end of the podcast. All right, to this time around, um, you know, last after the Bills game, there was a lot to talk about with the defense just because it was so porous, but uh, I think we've got some positives and some negatives with the defense this time around, but what do you think, Mark? Well, the defense was definitely better than they were in game one, and for most of the game, they held Atlanta in check. They got the stop at the end of the game when they really needed it. Now, we have issues at cornerback with Troy Hill on injured reserve and Jacoby Durant potentially injured. If neither of these two guys plays on Sunday, I think Robert Rochelle, whom we mentioned in the last podcast, should start outside at cornerback, and either David Long or Darian Kendrick can play in, in the slot. Okay, next. While we did play a lot of zone, and we're going to be playing a lot of zone this year in all the games, for most of the game, the cushion off the wide receivers was a lot less than we saw in game one. In game one, we were playing 10 yards off the receiver. Uh, in game two, the cushion was down to about five or six yards, so took away those short five-yard passes. Uh, we blitzed in certain situations, which I liked, and it was effective. Morris did a better job than he did uh, in the first game against Buffalo. However, we're not getting enough pass rush unless we blitz. Two of our three sacks came on blitzes. We need Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Terrell Lewis to start getting home. I know Leonard Floyd was hurt, but the loss of Von Miller is showing up a lot more than I thought. Perhaps we need to do some stunts on the pass rushes to confuse the offensive line. Final point about the defense, I think Ernest Jones is a budding star. He had 12 tackles Sunday to lead the team and is on a pace for 161 for the season. Jordan Fuller was second on the team with eight tackles, even though he's not even a starter, although he plays a lot in the dying package. Yeah, Ernest Jones, I thought even in the Super Bowl, he had that huge uh, deflection, uh, pass deflection on fourth yes. down. And, uh, you know, this is just his second year, but he, he does. And I think uh, working with Wagner is going to help him out a lot as well. Yes. And as we progress through the podcast and you're thinking about uh, 1975, the Rams playing the uh, the Cowboys, we're looking for the leading receiver and the leading rusher for the Rams that year. And two guys on our active roster have the same last names as the answer to the trivia question. That's just a little hint for you. Now we move to the offense, which was much better this time around. Yes, I thought the offensive line did much better. Uh, right guard Tremaine Ankrum went out on the first series. I feel sorry for him. He was waiting so long to get into the starting lineup, and he breaks his leg on the first series and he's out. Uh, Alaric Jackson, who's normally a tackle, stepped in at right guard. I thought he did a good job. In fact, I thought the whole offensive line did a good job in both run blocking and pass protection. A lot of us on Turf Show Times think Coleman Shelton should be the permanent starting center. In fact, I think you had mentioned in the last podcast 
that you liked how the line played last year in the two games that Shelton started at center over Allen. So that's a situation that bears watching over the next few games. If the offensive line continues to play well, what do the Rams do when Brian Allen comes back? That'll be something to watch. Secondly, and we're going to have a lot more about this in the next podcast, uh, Stafford is turning the ball over way too much. He's becoming the feast or famine type quarterback. Now, we saw this last year. Even though he had a good year, he did lead the NFL uh, in interceptions. I attributed a lot of that to him still having the Detroit mentality. By that, I mean that when he was in Detroit, he was on a lot of bad teams. And for a lot of years, he was the man. If they were going to win, he was going to have to make the plays. He was going to have to carry the offense. So he got used to this gunslinger mentality, forced the throws, forced the plays, because there just wasn't anyone else on the team who was going to make the plays. So we saw him take some chances last year that probably shouldn't have. And I think it was just the way he had been 12 years in Detroit. It had built up in him. Now he stopped doing that in the playoffs. And we had a really good playoff run, mainly because he stopped with those turnovers. But now here it is. He has five turnovers in the first two games. He's making some bad decisions. I don't think there's any problem with his arm. I just think that he's forcing the ball or he's not throwing it to the right receiver. He's not going through his progressions properly. And that's something he's going to have to correct. Three, still no sign of Chitarius Atwell. I thought, sure, they'd get him the ball at some point, especially when at one point we were up 28-3. We had the, the game pretty much sewn up. I figured, okay, they haven't played Atwell. Here's a good time. Give him a jet sweep. Give him a bubble screen. Send him on a deep post pattern. Nothing. In fact, I think he only got three snaps. So it appears, for whatever reason, that McVeigh wants to go with the same 12 guys. He's going with the five offensive linemen, Stafford, Cup, Allen Robinson, Higby, Skoranek at that hybrid fullback wide receiver position, and then a platoon of Henderson and Akers. That's it. Those are the only 12 guys that are generally playing on offense, except for a few snaps here and there for the other guys. So I guess he just has it that these are his starters. Unless there's an injury, those are the guys that are going to play. Next, McVeigh was a lot more creative, and the offense was a lot more dynamic. We saw Allen Robinson and Tyler Higby get a lot more involved in the offense. I really like this Moose Skoranek at fullback because from there we have four options. If you have this two running back set, either he can block for the running back or he can take a handoff as the up back, especially on short yardage situations. That might fool the defense. Or the running back can stay in a block and Skoranek can go out for a pass. We saw that happen a couple of times. Or he can stay in a block and the running back can go out. I'd like to see Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers one-on-one against a linebacker. That's a matchup that favors the Rams. So this two running back set using Moose Skoranek and either Akers or Henderson gives the Rams a lot of options and keeps the defense guessing because they could run four separate plays just from that one formation. Finally, Henderson definitely has more burst than Cam Akers, who was once again held below 3.0 yards per carry. He did catch two passes for 18 yards, so at least that was a step in the right direction. But we're still waiting to see the 2020 Cam Akers, and frankly, I'm concerned that we may not see him this year. He had that knee injury, and I'm not sure he's going to ever ever be able to get back to 100%. So I expect Daryl Henderson to be the number one back, you know, for an extended period of time. I think just uh, Skoranek, uh, Moose Skoranek is just, he's taken over that third wide receiver spot, and he's not going to let Atwell in there at all. And, you know, he doesn't really uh, wow you at anything he does, but he's just very solid. And there was a, a couple of times that he was playing fullback, and uh, he was just more than willing to take on whoever came through that line on a blitz or whatever. He just put his whole body, and he was into blocking much different than what we saw the first week with Cam Akers. 
right? He, in fact, he's the best blocker of the non-offensive linemen on the team. So I'm sure McVay likes that. If he can improve his catch rate, he'll be a, an asset in the passing game. But now he's doing a lot of different things. He's a, a fullback, wide receiver. He plays on special teams. So he's an important member of the team. And the final aspect of the team is special teams. And they weren't yeah. very special. No, we should have had that game one. You know, there was a couple of turnovers by Matthew Stafford that hurt us. The fumble by Cooper Cup, very uncharacteristic, hurt us. But the biggest play was the block punt. Now, I'm not blaming the players because poor special teams has been a problem really since the beginning of last year. I alluded to it in an earlier podcast. We almost lost the Detroit game because they had a fake punt that was successful and an onside kick that was successful. Frankly, we've been outplayed in special teams every game over the last since last year and this year. So this, this doesn't surprise me. Somebody missed a blocking assignment. I don't blame Dixon for it. The guy came in untouched and he was, we're lucky he didn't uh, break Dixon's leg. And we're lucky that he just blocked a punt that he didn't knock Dixon out and, and ruin the season. So what really puzzled me is when we had to do the free kick after the later on in the game, when we took that safety, which I think was a, a smart move. If you remember later on in the game, we had a, a six point lead. So we took a, a safety when there was less than a minute to go. Powell got the snap and he ran out of bounds. So we still had a four-point lead, So the, meaning that the um, Falcons still needed a touchdown. What was puzzling to me is you have Riley Dixon, the punter, was really creamed just a few minutes earlier. So they had him punting the ball instead of having Matt Gay place kick it. Now, he can't use a tee, but he can kick the ball about 60 yards off the uh, ground with a holder. Why not have him do it and boom it down the middle? Why have your punter, who was dinged up to it, in fact, it backfired. He kicked the ball out of bounds, giving the ball to Atlanta at the 50-yard line. I don't know who's making these decisions, whether it's Sean McVay or special teams coach Joe DeCamillis, but, you know, you had the block punt. That was a missed assignment. That's on DeCamillis. And then whoever's deciding to let Dixon do the free kick instead of Matt Gay, that that was a bad decision right there. I couldn't believe that either. I thought, what is Dixon doing? after? Because I saw the replay, and I, I, I used slow-mo a couple of times, and, it, it was frustrating because uh, Dixon readjusted the ball three times. He didn't like where the laces were, so he, he rotated it. They rotated it, and then he did it again. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, you can't be doing that at this point in the game. And then his leg got hyperextended, so I was thinking, why isn't Gay out there to do this? And then John, yeah. the backup quarterback to the Rams, John Wolford, it was his idea. He told McVay, said, hey, we got to run it, you know, get Powell to run it out of the end zone and take the safety. I think you're right. Yeah, they should have had Gay out there who's not injured in a in a stressful situation who's normally used to that, being a right. place kicker. Were you nervous? Not really. I, <laughs> you know, I figured <laughs> Marcus Mariota, you know, if they had Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady back there maybe, but Marcus Mariota in a Hail Mary situation, I, I figured the odds were over 90%. That would, I mean, I'm, I listen. I'm always, unless we're up seven scores with a minute to go, I'm nervous in these games. Yeah. So you can't ask, it's all relative. I would, if I were betting, I would say the odds were 90%, even giving them the ball at midfield. The Rams are going to have five defensive backs down by the goal, and they only had a couple of plays uh, to try to get the ball down the field. I was, I was not nervous at that point. It's it just, I was annoyed. It seemed like such a dumb decision to have your dinged up punter do the free kick rather than your healthy place kicker. But even with that, I was still not all that worried because I figured with Ramsey and all those safeties back there at the goal line that they would not be able to uh, to score a touchdown. 
So overall, your summary of the uh, second game of the season, the Rams and the Falcons, is what? Okay, well, we played a good game, but it was closer than it should have been. My three biggest concerns, Stafford's interceptions. You know, we could have had a 40-burger if he protected the ball better. He was not under pressure. He just threw into coverage. The interception to Higby in the end zone, Cup had broken that route off. Short was open on the right sideline. If he had thrown the ball to Cup, he probably would have caught it and run it in for a touchdown and said he threw it to Higby, and it was an interception. Number two, special teams. These special teams can win or lose games for you, especially when the teams are evenly matched. Block punt, an onside kick, a, a punt return for touchdown. These things are important. And as I said, we have not been playing well on special teams really since the beginning of last year. They're really going to have to straighten it out. And third, we have no deep threat. With Van Jefferson out and him not expected back until the 49er game and Jatarius Atwell not getting any snaps, we don't have anybody to stretch the defense. It's going to be difficult for Matthew Stafford and Cup and Robinson and Higby throwing these 15 and 20 yard intermediary routes without having anyone to keep the defense, the safeties backs. Hopefully we'll get BJ back for game four and game three. We're not going to have him, So it's going to be another challenge trying to get a, an effective passing game, throwing nothing but 15 and 20 yard passes down the field. We got two road games coming up, Arizona this Sunday, San Francisco the week after. We're going to have to be better in all three phases if we're going to win those two divisional games. Well, the trivia question that we asked you at the beginning of the show was, who was the Rams' leading rusher and who was the Rams' leading receiver of the season of 1975 when the Rams uh, finished the season, back when they played 14 games, 12-2, uh, and two, and losing to the Cowboys in the championship game? So the answer is Lawrence McCutcheon, one of my all-time favorite Rams, and the leading receiver was Harold Jackson. This has been the Ram Forward Podcast. We ask that you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really like the show, feel free to write a review.